Welcome, my dear friends, to Navigate with IDNN. It's such a pleasure and honor to be here. Like we started a journey talking about a legacy-driven life. And on Tuesday, we tried to unpack this whole concept by looking at self-managed development. What exactly does self-managed development mean? And if for those of you that joined in on Tuesday, you recall I talked about a process, an interactive process that had to do with external factors and also personal factors. I also indicated that it was important that in the course of building yourself, building your career, that you had to triangulate between all these factors, but make your self-development the key factor. And so we started by looking at a lot of dimensions of the self-managed development. And we looked at the business objective aspect where I talked to you about the need for you to understand the business objectives of your organization, your business unit, your department, or even your team can help you to put your self-managed development into context and ultimately help you to prioritize your self-development objectives. Friends, you cannot outsource your entire life to an organization. You cannot live a legacy-filled life when you do not have a stake in the game. You must be the owner and driver of your career and your development. Yes, there's a place for the organization, but the driver must be yourself. So if you're one of those that will constantly say HR has not helped you, HR has not developed you, or your manager has not developed you, you may be hitting yourself on the wrong side. I want you to take responsibility for it because it means that you can see your career objectives staring you in the face and you are taking ownership. Ownership is key. Obviously, your career objectives will change over time and they will be affected by many external factors. But one thing I want you to understand that it is important that you reflect on the past, the present, and the future in order that you have a clear idea of how you have to navigate through the whole essence of your career, and which is all about where you are now and where you plan to get to. So what does it mean? It means that you have to review your education, and I explained that on Tuesday. You need to reflect on the things that you do. You need to question who or what has affected your career decisions, and you need to describe your career successes and disappointments, if any. More importantly, you must take account of present realities and describe where you are headed. But the biggest part of it, friends, is the learning relationships. And that's where I anchored my thoughts on Tuesday. There's the individual's viewpoint and there's organizational viewpoint. And so one of the things I did say to you that as an encourager and enabler, your organization can provide some of the support you require. But if you work in an organization where this support is not coming, then you know that in terms of ultimately getting to your destination and you meeting your legacy-driven standards or, or pattern, you may have to look 
to self-development a lot more seriously. Because where you're working may not be an enabler, it may actually disable you because it does happen. Imagine that you want to go for a, a two-week course that you are sponsoring yourself. You walk up to your line manager, you ask him or her to sign your leave paper or to allow you to take 10 days off from your leave, not as if you're asking for a special favor. And he or she says to you, can you imagine, don't you know we have so much work here that you want to go and leave? And you go further to say, sir, ma, I actually want to take a course in X, Y, Z so that I can sharpen my skills, I can build my capability, and I can enhance my capacity to be able to do better and be more productive. And what answer do you get? Capital, no, I will not approve it. What that tells you is that you're working in the wrong space. Now, a qualifier. You may actually be working in the right space, but if you have a wrong manager or a wrong leader ahead of you, if you have someone who has a solid spirit, whose job is to destroy or kill every David, then you are in the wrong space. What you also may also have, if that organization may have all the souls, but there is an opportunity for you to escalate, i.e. going to some other person more senior in the organization to say, I need an override because I need to do this. But it brings you to a place where you may be pitching yourself against your boss. That may not necessarily be the right thing to do at that point in time because you're just setting a pathway for war. But what it tells you is that you are not working in an organization that is an encourager, an enabler of the future. So it means you should begin to pack your load and look for the right place and the right space. What can I speak to as learning relationships? I remember on Tuesday, this was where I anchored the end of the program. And I said to you, I was going to start from there on Thursday. Here we are on Thursday. I want you to understand as a self-developer, that is somebody who has taken ownership of his development, you may well have developed relationships with many people who assist you in your self-managed development. Typical relationships can be categorized as follows. Number one, coach. Number two, mentor. Number three, a role model. Number four, a counselor. Number five, a learning partner. And number six, a learning support group. Collectively, the people with whom you develop learning relationships become part of your learning network. And that is a very strong network that you would have. How do I you know, bring this to bear for you? Let me try to go back in order to come forward. Each and every one of us will have a specific learning network. For example, the various people who have helped us to learn, to grow, and develop over the years. And one way you can examine your learning network is to create a mind map of all the people with whom you have had learning relationships in your life. So you can draw a central circle with you in the YOU. You may take on a strand from school. So in school here, if I was to draw school, I go all the way 
back from when I, I did kindergarten that I didn't know myself. But let me take it from the point when I was conscious. So I take my nursery and primary school, St. Catherine's Model School. So I have a, a branch there, St. Catherine's, and that stretch. I have Baptist Academy, Lagos. I have Federal School of Arts and Science, Undo. I have Federal School of Arts and Science, Suleja. And I have the University of Cross River State, now called University of Uyo. Now, these are the schools. But if I take the first set or the first two, meaning nursery, primary, and secondary on one side, then I take my college years on the other side, then there are two things that you will find that I can bring out as, as strands. Then I am in the middle. The first job I had was with Guinness. At Guinness, I had a coach, I had a mentor, I had role models. So if I look at my first job, I was privileged, and indeed my colleagues, we had fantastic bosses who were playing several roles for us. I continually thank God for Chief Ulumba, for Ekunife Okoli, for Aki Yileka, for Ibrahim Daudu, Ibrahim Dauda, I beg your pardon, and the likes of Reubo. These were gentlemen who sat in the space of coach, mentor, role model from my first job at Guinness, Nigeria. And then you can then look at the other job that I moved into from Guinness into Coca-Cola. I had learning partners and a learning support group. Now, Guinness was the bench or the foundation for me, but growing into Coca-Cola, to be able to step into a different spectrum of my role, I had a support group. And this learning support group had to do with my colleagues who were either in the division, as we call them then, you know, outside of Nigeria, on the continent, somewhere outside, you know, in Europe, somewhere in Atlanta, in Georgia, the home of Coca-Cola. And at the same time, I had peers who were my learning partners. These are excellent learning relationships that many of us do not actually harness. But you may say to me, I didn't work for an international company like Coca-Cola or Guinness. I work for a local Nigerian company. In fact, I work for a man, a one-man business. What is all of this about a learning support group? What it means is that you've not moved yourself into a space of creating your own learning support group. You are sitting there tongue-tied because you feel that you're working for Asian Sons will stop you from moving the needle. That means you have not taken ownership of your own learning dimension. You are basically waiting for someone to handhold you. That is not the case. So you need to get up from your high horse and to come through to create a mind map by thinking about all the people whom you have developed learning relationships over the years and draw this mind map on learning network. The way you can do it is to start from the place of relationship skills. Each learning relationship will offer slightly different benefits and the role of each relationship will differ. So for example, I met a group of talented young men that we started our career at Guinness Nigeria in that year, 1991. The likes of Kunle Arofi, the likes of Chuk Mokogu, etc. Now, 
this day, as I speak, a guy like Kulea Rufin and the rest of the crew, we are still so very much in, in tow. We are still five and six. And you will just wonder for so many years, you've been able to keep this relationship. Yes. 30 years, solid 30 years. And why is that so? It is because you've been able to oil it. So there's something called relationship skills. For you to be really effective in any of the learning relationship roles described, you know, that I will describe for you, there are certain skills that are necessary, but some of you don't see that you need these skills. The first skill is about excellent communication skills. Very many people do not know that communication is central to how long and how sustainable your relationship will be. And under this communication, there are elements, elements we take for granted, but you don't realize that all of these elements sum up to build a certain precipice for which you either will have learning partners, a learning support group, or you have learning network. Number one is listening. Not many people understand that listening is a big skill, is a very key skill. Number two is questioning. Not many people understand that questioning is a skill. Rather, when you are going on the trajectory of questioning, they think you're probing. They think you want to be an amiable. You're an intruder. Why are you coming into my space? But it's a skill. And if you, on the other end, understand that this is a communication skill that you're building, you will not feel offended when someone would ask you questions. Number three, the skill about testing understanding and the ability to summarize. Many people do not see the bucket of excellent communication skills as housing these four elements, but that's a big piece. The second big piece is the ability to challenge. I love it when people can challenge me. I love it when we can come to the table and have an intellectual discourse. I love it when, you know, I sit with my son. My son is 26, but man, if that young man takes you on this, on a conversation, whether it's economy, politics, or government, you're just going to wonder, gee, how did I get here? You'll probably say to yourself, me, I always say to him, last, last, I'll say, oh boy, my investment is not for anything. I'm gaining returns. Because you get to a point, rather than scatter it as his father, you know, there's a way your son will ask you some questions or challenge you, and you say, this boy does have a book past me, sir. You just do rough or rough or you just look at him and say, man, my investment has worked. Glory be to God. But what am I saying? Ability to challenge. If you don't allow your kids to express themselves when they are young, when they grow older and when they go out in the world, they will be docile. And once they are docile, everybody wants to trample on your child. The same thing happens to you if your parents didn't allow you the ability to challenge. You now become so docile that when you step into a terrain, you are quieter than even the, the one that is not even speaking. That's not right, friends. Empathy is a third factor. Influencing skills is a fourth one. And the big piece is called discretion. All of this border into what I call relationship skills, friends. Remember, we're talking about learning relationships. And so let me go to the first character or the first, uh, yeah, I will call it a character that you need 
in the typical relationship mode. Remember, I'm addressing you as a self-developer. And so the first character that will be putting up for consideration is the coach. How do each of the relationship roles differ? I told you about a coach. I talked about a mentor. I talked about a role model. We are going to define each role and look at the key features that each offers in the learner, beginning with the coach. The dictionary definition of a coach is a private tutor, often someone who is assigned to help you. This is probably as good a definition as any, but what special features would a coach provide you with? Typically, a coach is someone who can help you to develop a particular skill, competence, or area of knowledge. A coach need not necessarily be an expert or the best, simply someone who is knowledgeable in a certain area and has the skills mentioned earlier. A good example might be to think of a football coach. Often, those who are cited as the best coaches were not always the best players, but you've seen that the emergence of player coaches very many years ago, we used to have the term player coach. And then you've seen it morph into where a lot of players have morphed into the roles as coaches. And that's why you find a guy like Zidane. Zidane. You look at our own Dan Omakachi. You look at our late, my good friend and brother, who so rest in peace, Stephen Keshi. They were all players and later they became coaches. But one thing I'll tell you, friends, is that a coach, if you want to summarize what the definition of, that the dictionary says, like it says is a private tutor, I want you to know that a coach is someone that can help you move from point A to point B. There are certain skills that you may have, you may not know, but a coach can help you to file fashion and to make those skills stand out. Have you seen the way a coach like Mourinho will play a certain player in a role and all of a sudden, that player begins to see himself in that mold. Take our own Mikel Obi as an example. When Mikel was playing at the underage competition, he was a striker. But when he moved to Chelsea, something happened. He became a defensive midfielder. And from that time on, you saw him take on the DM role because somehow the influence of his coach may have been to sharpen and to iron out that skill to the extent that many started wondering, this was the same guy that was knocking in goals. How all of a sudden is he now a DM? That you may not understand, but the reality, it spells out to you the influence of what a coach can do in like manner in your career. Today, I have the honor and privilege to serve as, as a business and leadership coach. And so when I sit back, I'm having the privilege to sit with EDs or banks where their banks have actually asked that we take them through a coaching course through our, our sessions, and we are having this coaching session. I'm able to look at an executive director of a top bank, and I'll say to him or her, this is why you are not getting it right. And the reason why I'm able to do that, though I'm not a banker, is because I have gone through that pathway. And I also have a solid experience on the table that can tell me how to help that individual to identify an area of gap and how to harness 
or to close that gap and to make the best of it. And so today in my organization, Corporate Shepherds, that's what we do. Coaching is our way of life, it's a lifestyle. So if you're listening to me and you think that people in your organization need to be taken on a pathway and a trajectory, we have what we call the guided professional support. It's one of our products and it's really sitting under executive coaching where you'll either have a one-on-one with a coach or you might have different similitude sessions that will be cast. An average session for us is 90 minutes and you can have six sessions. That tells me that by the time you're done with this individual for over 10, 12 hours in the course of six months, somebody should notice something somewhere about you. And that's the coach, the mentor. The mentor is an experienced and trusted counselor who will provide guidance and advice or simply a discreet ear. Typically, an effective mentor-learner relationship will be developed through mutual respect and interest in one another. You, the learner, will often be instrumental in setting up the relationship, not the other way. Mentors frequently have one or more of the following characteristics. Number one, they are greater seniority than yourself in the organization. That is, they are senior in the organization to you. Number two, they are more experienced than yourself in your chosen career or pathway. Number three, they may have similar interests to yours, but with more experience. And number four, their ability in your eyes to be a wise counselor. These are some of the characteristics that come through for mentors. But let me tell you something that I've found. Over the years, everybody says, oh, ID, I want you to be my mentor. The average Nigerian scholar or young person or older person looks at people and they just take mentors from afar. There's nothing wrong with it. If you pick up my book today in the grip of grace, you can as well begin to follow me and then see me as a mentor someone that will grant you some form of inspiration without necessarily meeting me. But here's the truth, that if you do not have a closely needed relationship with someone, it will be tough for you to be able to call that person your mentor. Because there are certain ideals. I would want you to understand that for me, a mentor is an experienced and trusted counselor. Listen, you cannot call someone a trusted counselor when you don't know anything about the person's life. How will he be providing guidance to you on a subject that he himself has not even passed through? How can he be your simple, discreet ear when you fall into the wrong hands? That's why a lot of mentors end up disappointing their mentees because they become tormentors. Not every mentor is granted access to be effective in pulling a mentor-learner relationship. But many of us don't know. I mean, go speak on a typical day. You'll find after the speaking engagement, you have about 10, 12 people come around you. Oh, Mr. ID, I want you to mentor me. I just look at them and say, this works. Is euphoria of the moment. And that's why I don't give out my numbers. I don't give out my cards. If you truly want me to, there's a place. Go on the website, navigatewithid.com, pop in the contact there, I'll find it, and I'll reply. My, your first mail to me will tell me if you're a, a learner developer, if you're a self-developer, 
or you are one of those leeches that need to be burned with fire. Very many mentees today are leeches. They go into a relationship already thinking, this is what I want out of this man. And they miss it big time. When I come back, we'll continue on that trajectory as we'll be looking at the role model. So don't go away. It's just a break and keep the dialogue. We'll be right back. Welcome back, my dear friends, from the break. I hope you had uh, a great time in the first half as we looked at the different learning relationships, starting from the coach. And if you're just joining us, I bid you welcome. It's Navigate with IDNNG. I'm gracefully thankful to God for the opportunity to be able to share with you and also learn from you. We started our journey when we looked at the legacy-driven life. And in that, I said, the legacy-driven life is founded upon you, your family, your career, the community, and your future. And so what we've done is to start unpacking the you part. And what I said was, you cannot make this happen except you have a self-managed development plan. If you don't, then you may not really have a legacy when it comes to you or your career. You could just be a fly on the wall and you remain such. And so in the last couple of minutes, we had come out of looking at learning relationships. And I talked about the coach. I defined it. I put it within the context. I talked about the mentor. And I'm stepping into the third learning relationship, which is the role model. A role model is often someone you admire from afar. Someone who is famous, someone who is written about frequently. That is, you see someone they write about or they speak about frequently. Or someone who is more senior than you in your organization can be a role model. And this is where young people miss it. Everyone they see, they call, oh, he's my mentor. Just a role model. You don't know him or her. I see young ladies, oh, this so-so-and-so, call a name. They'll say, oh, she's my role model. And I normally ask them, have you met this lady? Does she know you exist? Have you ever had an exchange, even a text exchange or a word exchange, email exchange? They say no. But I just love her. I just, I just see her. She's my mentor from afar. I said she's just a role model because she's famous. Someone you admire from afar. Don't mistake a role model for a mentor. That is why many get beaten by the so-called mentors who become their tormentors. The role model provides you with a learning relationship at a distance, not a personal relationship. You see the difference, guys? Many of you are flocking around certain people. Oh, I love this man. I love this woman. She is my mentor. She is not your mentor. He is not your mentor. They are best role models because you don't have a personal relationship. The role model will not only provide you with a learning relationship from a distance, that person will be someone who inspires you and who you would like to emulate in some way. This is where you find that a lot of the music icons have so many followers. Because from a distance, it could just be the voice. It could just be the stagecraft. It could just be the performance. And people just fall in love with them. 
and say, oh my God, I love the way he sings. I mean, if you watch the Nigerian Idol now, you'll see that walk through. You see some people come, just the voice, and you cannot, you're not an expert. You're not a voice expert. You're not into, you don't have the music here to be able to, you know, get the notes. But you just like the sound that is coming through. You like the symphony. You like all of that. Or you probably like the person's looks. And from there, you just maintain there's some inspiration coming from what this person does. And then you want to start emulating. Why do you think little girls always want to be like their mamas or their aunties? Because they step out and they see auntie or mama dressing so well with the perfume, with the anklet, and then the little girl grows up and says, I want an anklet. The little girl grows up saying, I want to dress this way. There must be an auntie or mommy in the shadow looking. And that mommy or auntie becomes the role model. Same thing goes for Mr. Young Man, who sees daddy as his role model. Daddy dresses so deeper that, oh my God, this is my dad. I'm proud of him. I want to be like him. He's so confident. Why do you think when the toothpaste manufacturers are running their ads, they always look for that personality? Because it's all about confidence. One of the things that sit as an underlining factor for any role model is confidence. When you meet a man or woman that is confident, trust me, they'll inspire you. Because there's something that not everybody has, which is called confidence. If you are a confident man, some people will call it arrogance because they are on the borderline. But if you are so confident that you know your onions, they'll be beefing you for nothing. But trust me, it's just bad belay underneath. They'll be appreciating you, but they can't say it out because they are black and proud. Remember those days of James Brown? Say it loud, I'm black and proud. But this is a different part because we are talking about learning relationships. So please do not make a mistake of mixing up the coach, the mentor, and the role model. If you have questions, punch your, punch your phone, put something in there on the tabs, send a message to me, handles, very simple. I've always said it over and over at I-D-Y-E-N-A-N-G. Just pop your question there and let's have a conversation. Now, if you really need to reach me, you can send an email at contact at navigatewithid.com. And by the way, one of the things you could do differently is just to go to the website and you'll see an opportunity for you to contact me directly. Let's talk about these things, friends. Because many of you are making a mistake. Some of you have made a mistake and you need to cause correct. Let's talk about them because ignorance on fire is the average middle name of a Nigerian. Most Nigerians are ignorant and they can be so ignorant in what they are doing that they will not even want to let you see that they are ignorant. It's called unconscious incompetence. Some people are unconscious competent, they are unconsciously competent, while some are consciously incompetent. You can find that in our place. I mean, I don't want to go into all of those concepts, but trust me, that is there. Let's look at the fourth learning relationship, which has to do with the counselor. 
The councillor role differs. By the way, this is not the councillor Balogun or the one in the political office. It's C O U N S E L O R, not the C I L O R, not the councillor reporting to the chairman of local government. This is one that gives you council, C O U N S E L. The councillor role differs from others in that it is seen as a helping role, especially when you are feeling particularly challenged or even upset by something. People who are regarded as good counselors are usually exceptionally good, active listeners. The counsel such people provide is often associated with problem analysis, helping you to think a problem through, and then helping you come up with a course of action for solving the problem or for moving on. You find a lot of times when we have some challenge, whether with mind issues, emotional issues, mental issues, physical issues that are driven by mentally driven challenges, Everybody always says, you need to get a counselor. Sometimes even in our relationships, especially marriage, they say you need a marriage counselor. Even health, you need a health counselor. The days when HIV was so prevalent, whenever you take the test, they will tell you, do you need to see a counselor pre or post? Counselor's roles differ from others by the helping role. So do not in any way mistake it for something else. It is when you are especially feeling challenged or upset about something, you need a counselor. And this person will actually be able to bind your wounds and take you into the inn. The faith learning relationship that I had there that I shared was a learning partner. Do you have a learning partner? A learning partner is like him, is a like-minded person who may have similar learning and development needs to yourself. Do you know that that is why when you find people that are going through a retractable process, maybe Alcohol Anonymous, they put them all together in the same party, in the same room. People are trying to get them out of, you know, some malaise whether it's about smoking, drinking, those that have a problem, they need to have like-minded people so that they can learn from each other. That's on one side. There's also the part where you have association built from people who have gone through the same kind of challenge. Or perhaps it could be someone with whom you enjoy working with and you find that you actually flow so well, or that you are able to inspire and fuel one another, such people can sit in a space learning as your relationship develops. They can be learning partners. You can also be someone you want to have sweet counsel with. You can call them someone that you pray with when you have a soulish, a spiritual relationship with that person becomes more or less someone you want to learn from. In addition to the skills that are necessary for effective learning relationships, there are certain features that are important
for effective learning partnership. So these three features are number one, trust. I can't have you as my learning partner. I mean, think about the days in the university when you are going to read. You always have a study partner. And what is that study partner going to do? Number one, to work with you. For those that lived in hostels, they want to have a companion that will work with them from the hostel to the class to read. Those of us that never stayed in hostels, we had um, you know, our own bunk outside of school. That story for another day. I never stayed in any hostel, I mean the university. I, I was off campus, as you call us. So, but you will always have a learning partner, your buddy. So then my guys will want to go read. If you don't want to read at home and we want to join our other colleagues, what do we do? We take a walk and then we go study. At a certain time, especially during the exam season, you all sit around and you begin to discuss the subject. And some of the guys who have um, what it takes begin to talk about the subjects and they begin to explain the concept better. Those are learning opportunities and learning moments. And those guys become your learning partners. But there's a critical factor, trust, honesty, and openness. You can't go into that with the H-O-T. When I talk about being hot, hot is an acronym for learning partnerships. The H there is honesty. You must be honest. O there is openness. You must be open. And the T there is a, is a trust. You must be trustworthy. If you don't have that, friends, then you are just on a bicycle kick because very soon people are going to look at you and say, who is this guy? What is he looking for here? He can't be a part of us. And issues around complex begin to filter through. In a learning partnership, meeting together in learning partnerships can be all the more effective if a process is followed and agreed and adopted consciously and unconsciously. So for example, if you're sitting today and you want to have a learning partner, you must agree the subject. You must agree the goal of your discussion. You must agree which partner will focus on what part. And you should also know that there are certain rules of engagement. For example, the listener should encourage but not interrupt the speaker. When you think the learner has said everything, ask that person to re-examine his or her goal. And what it just means is that if you're going through a learning partnership process, do not attempt to analyze the session. Because iron will sharpen iron. When you bring the two together and you get it near dry leaves, that's when the spark will bring about some fire that will you know, light the whole place. But if you keep sitting at the pace of analyzing every word your learning partner is doing, you will not make progress. You guys will argue till the cows come home. But if you are able to sit down, agree the subject, agree the goal, agree the direction, and then follow through. It's almost like setting an agenda if you want to go into a learning partnership. It's very critical, friends. By so doing, we segue into the learning support group. Many of us have had learning support groups. We still have. Have you gone to any of these places where they have extramural classes or you have certificate or certification exams? For example, ICANN or Institute of Marketing or Institute of Bankers or Institute of Personnel Management. 
when they have their certificate courses, you find some people will come together as a learning support group. And this is any group of which you are a member that provides you with learning and developmental experiences. Another part is when you form a group out of an informal setting or even a formal setting. Maybe like we have seven tribes within Corporate Shepherds, if people within that group can be termed as a learning support group, when they begin to interact with themselves officially or unofficially, inside or outside the organization, professionally or even with self-help. The word support is very important in this context as it brings about the concept of learning and leaning on one another. When you learn and lean on one another, then that's where the support group comes alive. But when the other feels superior to the other and the other feels inferior to the other, then it's not a learning support group. Mm -mm. It's about the chief and the Indian. It's a master-servant relationship. That's not what that's not what I'm talking about, friends. Learning and leaning means that iron is sharpening iron. It means that deep is calling on to deep. It means that we all are going to be nice to each other. But it doesn't mean that being nice to each other all the time, but rather we should also provide a challenging environment in which mutual respect exists and the full range of learning relationships are activated because it is a skill. It is a skill. You know, success in life is not a solo project, my friends. You can't make it alone. God himself is a chief partnership driver from creation up to the point when he created man and woman, and at the point where he was able to make the man, when he finished making the man, he still made the woman out of the man. And when the man woke up from his sleep, as the Bible records it, Adam was his name, and what happened? He was able to recognize the woman, and he called her woman. You are made out of me. They are the bone of my bone than the flesh of my flesh, you shall be called woman. That is ingrained support, partnership. And it's all coming from leaning on one thing, the understanding that we need each other. No one can be an island and no one can sit in a space of being the only one that knows it all. This question of, I know it all, I'm there, I can make it happen. I'm the best thing that happened since sliced bread. Some people walk on tenterhooks while some are you know, touching the skies and feeling cool with themselves. Whatever it is, friends, you must understand that it's important that you oil the relationship journey if you want to sit in a space of driving legacy ultimately because the legacy-driven life enables everything to happen from self-development. And so moving swiftly from that space of showing you the different learning relationships, I want to talk about some learning activities. There are many day-to-day -day activities in which we all take part that can provide opportunities for learning. For example, number one, project work. Please, by the message of God, 
If you have an opportunity to volunteer for a project work, please go ahead and do it. Number two, secondment. Look for an opportunity to be seconded to another unit, department, area, geography, jurisdiction, whatever it is. It's a learning experience. Number three is a structured reading. Number four, attending conferences. Make it a duty, like I've said to you, within the self-managed development quota, set aside 10% of your gross income. What am I saying to you? If you're earning a million naira a year, make 100,000, set it aside as your own self-development budget. You can afford to attend conferences. Stop waiting for your company. Stop waiting for your boss to approve. You can take your leave time and utilize it to attend conferences. Number five, on-the-job coaching is another learning activity. Number six, job shadowing or work shadowing. Work shadowing. Amazing what you learn when you shadow or you shadow you have someone you can shadow. Absolutely great experience. You mean, well, okay, ID, what do you mean by job shadowing or work shadowing? Look at an apprentice in a mechanics workshop. Look at the apprentice of the vulcanizer. When they continue shadowing and shadowing, one day the guy will do what? He'll say he's now taking freedom. He would have spent a certain amount of time to shadow his boss. But within that time, the boss is going to use him for all kinds of stuff. And in some cases, you pity the young lads because their bosses will get angry and throw a spanner at one and do all kinds or whip them. That is what happens in a mechanic shed. If you want to watch what work shadowing is, go to a mechanic shed. Just sit there and watch. Be an observer. You'll see what is happening to the apprentices. That's what I'm talking about. Become an apprentice. When you become an apprentice and you stay in that place of apprenticeship, you will suddenly become the leader and the boss man in the years to come. And so it will be easier for you to learn so much about the ground. I remember very many years ago during my time at Coca-Cola, I was brand manager for Coca-Cola. And part of my development needs, I then went to my boss then. I said to my boss, Shani Adetu, who is now Otumba Shani Adetu, I said to him that I want to go over to the butler. Our butler at that time was NBC. And I said I needed to go over to the butler. My overall boss, our managing director, was Alex, Alex Cummings. Alex was once executive president of the Coca-Cola company. And of course, at that point in time, I was at Coca-Cola Nigeria. Shani was my immediate boss. And I said to him, I want to go back to NBC. And he said, as what? I said, as a unit sales manager. He said, fine. And in no time, he was one person that was also very passionate about building and developing people. And um, I moved over to NBC. Now, the first day I reported at the plant, the KJIA plant, I remember like yesterday, the plant sales manager was Steve Adeki. Steve is still, still alive, kicking, and everyone I'm mentioning their names are still alive to the glory of God. And when I reported for duty, I said, Adeki, I'm here reporting for duty. He said, oh, guy, you won't sack me. For those that really would know a man called Steve Adeki, he was just an amazing character. He said, oh, God, let me say he won't sack me. I said, why? He said, how you will come be my USM? By the way, let me explain to you what a USM was. You had every truck driver then had an assistant, and then a USM will be responsible, unit sales manager 
will be responsible for four sales sales managers. And then you had the USM who would now be on the truck and also be on the route with working with the sales or the, the truck drivers or the salesmen, as we call them, I beg your pardon. They were not sales managers, they were salesmen. Every truck driver was a salesman at that point in time, trained to sell Coca-Cola. And so as a USM, you had about four, four, four salesmen to one USM. And that was how low I went, you know, to go and learn the job. I wanted to understand how it took to go on the route. Friends, it wasn't fun, but I did it. And I can tell you that the discipline and understanding of distribution that I've kept in my heart and in my, as a skill set and a competence that helped me build other companies started because I went to that low level. I was able to build myself up. I was just there for 45 days on that job. And those 45 days gave me a glorious career that has not ended. I'm still using the benefits of that training. And so, friends, we'll continue from where I've stopped, learning activities, because I want to go in and teach you what you need to do to build yourself in a good capacity and become the best thing that anybody had ever imagined, because your best days are still ahead. Thank you so much for listening. It's time to call it a wrap. And we'll be back same time, same station here on Lagos Talks. Don't go away, friends, because you know this is the best place to be every Tuesday and Thursday. And remember, it's at 3 p.m. God bless you. Goodbye.